Welcome everyone to On Podcast, you know, Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen. I hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, we are back with another week of news. Uh, despite what you guys might be hoping for, we will not be talking very much about Apple uh, this week, unfortunately. So if you want to get that I'm news, you gotta go. You're going to have to scour the internet. I'm sure maybe one or two people are talking about it somewhere. Uh, here, though, we will be talking about Microsoft facing uh, its ninth outage in eighth months. Microsoft 365 having an issue with uh, staying up, uh, which they, maybe there's a pill for that or something. Uh, we are also talking about Microsoft and Oracle uh, having some secret announcement that they eventually just told everyone about, which is two giant uh, cloud services coming together which could be trouble for AWS or Google Cloud. We'll see how that plays out. Starfield Sounds like more getting, legal trouble to me. I mean, you know, Microsoft invites it. It's like it's like a WWE challenge at this point. Bring it on. Uh, Starfield will soon get a DLSS upscaling, uh, field of view slider, ultra-wide uh, monitor support, and a bunch of other things. So they are working fast to address a lot of consumer feedback. Uh, the EU will, uh, is also planning to file a formal complaint against Microsoft Teams bundling, despite you know Microsoft saying, "Hey, we are going to unbundle if that's okay with you guys." They said no. Uh, Xbox Game Pass Core set to make its debut tomorrow with uh, 36 games. So for those of you who have a free weekend to do stuff, uh, get ready. OneDrive will also be getting better offline functionality. Uh, we find that out through a Microsoft 365 roadmap. We'll tell you all about the details and what that means for you. Bing Chat uh, shows itself off during Monday Night Football. So those of you who happen to be Microsoft fans and watch football, you might have uh, come across that. Uh, and then the last, uh, I think that should be it for our headlines. We're also going to be going into our main discussion. For those of you who are Surface hardware fans, we'll be talking all about Surface hardware. We may, and this is where I said we won't be talking much about Apple, but we may be doing a quick comparison about presentations. Uh, whether or not some of these presentations should be press releases and how they differ between how Microsoft presents theirs and how Apple will be presenting theirs or presented theirs this week. Uh, we'll be covering uh, kind of some details that leaked, specific details about the hardware that will be shown, uh, the end of Surface Duo, the, the original Surface Duo, and uh, some of the upgrades coming to, or some of the things that are we missing from this presentation uh, this week. So let's get into it. What is our first headline, my friend? Well, I'm going to jump right in and get on Microsoft 365's back about their ninth outage in eight months. Basically, what we saw was Teams was having some issues earlier this week. And, you know, that that's not too uncommon to have, you know, issues once in a while that affect a small group of people when you have a client base of millions and millions of people. But this kind of brought to attention that there's been a few outages going on with the Microsoft 365 cloud. In January, they had email and Teams access was having some problems. In February, they had a global outage for email and Teams. And in April, they had two incidences where people could not access Microsoft 365 applications. They had a similar issue in May in the UK where those folks over there could not access their applications. And then in June, they had a little bit of issues, a little bit of everything. Outlook issues, OneDrive issues for business, SharePoint, and Teams. Now, 
you know, when you first hear about this, you think, well, Microsoft needs to shape up. And I think, you know, that that's that's true. You know, maybe they need to work out a few kinks. But along the same lines, I think this is a reminder to people that we are functioning in a cloud. We're functioning in an environment where there are moving parts. There are external factors involved, such as DDoS attacks, etc. That's kind of the reality of the Internet. And I think sometimes we take some of these big cloud services for granted that they're always going to be 24 7 365 no matter what and i know it's important for businesses out there to stay online hours included but i think we all have to remember it is the internet it is moving parts there are unknown external factors that become involved it's just part of it so you know i hope microsoft can improve it but along the same lines i think we have to be willing to tolerate a little bit as well yeah, well, uh, let's see if my next headline might help with that. We have Microsoft and Oracle uh, teased uh, some database in- information, and then earlier this week, and then uh, pretty much, or early, yeah, earlier this week, and then a couple of days later, they just came out and said it. Microsoft and Oracle have announced Oracle Database at Azure. Uh, it's a solution for running Oracle database services on Microsoft Azure. Um, with the introduction of this new database at Azure, Oracle and Microsoft are helping customers accelerate their migration to the cloud. Uh, again, Microsoft has typically been known as a hybrid solution, whereas AWS has been a full uh, do-it-yourself kind of thing. Uh, so it looks like they're getting some help from Oracle to continue that trend, um, specifically for Oracle users as well. Uh, so they can moder- uh, modernize their IT environments and take advantage of Azure's infrastructure, tooling, and services. Customers will benefit from this new uh, partnership uh, with more options to move their Oracle databases to the cloud, the highest level of Oracle database performance, scale, and availability, as well as features and pricing parity. So uh, you get more, hopefully, for your for your dollar. Uh, they'll be getting a bit more simplicity between using the two solutions, uh, security and latency uh, of a single operating environment, data center within, within Azure, uh, the ability to build new cloud-native applications using OCI and Azure technologies, uh, including Azure's best-in-class AI services, which again, this is Microsoft uh, extending its co-pilot, uh, enterprise co-pilot to everybody, and the assurance of an architecture that is tested and supported by two of the most trusted names in the cloud. Uh, as a result of this expanded partnership, uh, customers will have the choice to deploy their Azure services with their fully managed Oracle database services, all within a single data center, including support for Oracle X, uh, X, 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 uh, data. Uh, database services, Oracle's autonomous database services, and Oracle's real application clusters, RACs. Uh, Oracle and Microsoft have also developed a joint uh, support model to provide rapid response and res- uh, resolution for mission-critical workloads. Additionally, Oracle and Microsoft are, will have uh, significantly simplified the purchasing and contracting processes, which I think is the biggest thing from this deal, is you know uh, having uh, one way to pay for this uh, joint venture uh, and they'll be doing it through uh, obviously database at Azure uh, through the Azure marketplace leveraging their existing Azure agreements uh, they will also be able to use their existing Oracle database licenses benefiting include benefits including bring your own license and Oracle support rewards program Oracle will operate the managing of the uh, OCI services directly within Microsoft's data center globally and that will begin uh, I think starting with North America and Europe to start off with. So for those of you who happen to be Oracle 
cloud users that happen to need a few Microsoft uh, 365 applications or platforms. Uh, it looks like this combined venture will now uh, give you both, uh, hopefully for one single price and one area to kind of access both. I think that's a big deal. I know there's a lot of bigger businesses out there that have the Oracle infrastructure in place. And even in talking to people in the business world that I know the struggle that they've always had is we've got this data in a database, but how can we manipulate it with other platforms and services? How can we connect it to a Windows server driven website, for example, or how can we access that data over a Microsoft network and then they have to build their own infrastructure to do that because for those that don't understand, Oracle is a little bit of a kind of like the Mac Windows comparison of PCs. You know, Oracle does its own database. It's not the typical MySQL or MariaDB that you see in typical WordPress sites, for example, that, uh, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. So as long as the regulators can stay off this and somebody doesn't raise a red flag going, okay, what are these two big companies really doing over here? And it just stays on the service level. I see nothing but benefits out of this. Uh, yeah, I think you and I were just talking briefly off mic about the regulators. Uh, I see this again, this is a partnership, not a uh, acquisition. Uh, Oracle, like you said, will maintain their own servers. Uh, I think what this is doing basically is uh, allowing Microsoft to offer its customers as well as Oracle's customers uh, a single uh, UI and a single and hopefully a better price uh, for the two services. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but I doubt that it's going to raise any red flags, uh, regulatorily speaking. I hope not. I know. And the only reason I bring that up is, you know, with all the red flags, with the Activision and a few other things we've seen over the past year, it just seems like everybody's throwing a flag up. When two companies get together and the Microsoft name is involved, there's somebody out there that throws a flag up. So let's hope they keep hey. their flags down this time. And to be honest with you, I invite the flags. I think everything should be scrutinized uh, and, you know, passed if legal and makes sense and not passed. I mean, I'd rather see flags in the field than none. And then we wind up wondering why there's only AT&T, Verizon and T-Mobile around and we can't get better rates on our phones and plans and stuff like that. Don't even get got me forced? started there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right. Yeah, let's let's get away from that one. Uh, well, for the Starfield players out there, specifically those on PC, Starfield is really picking up quick on their updates. We've got DLS, DLSS upscaling a field of view slider and ultra wide monitor support for those that are on the extra large 32 by nine screens. The patch number is 17.29. You've also got better HDR calibration support and brightness controls. I will say that I've been playing Starfield on PC. I'm roughly seven, eight, nine hours in. I wanted a little bit of a different experience. We're lucky enough to have some Lenovo gaming PCs in for review. So I've been kind of giving those a test run on the game. And um, so far, so good. The DLSS is certainly welcomed. And for those on lower spec PCs, it will be greatly welcome to allow you to get just a little bit more out of your graphics card and your CPU. So jump over there, get it patched, jump in there. Let us know what you think. Yeah. 
uh, moving on to less fun news, uh, as we mentioned uh, at the, you know, just at our one of our headlines about regulatory issues, uh, Microsoft's still facing them, just not in the Activision field uh, drama. The EU may file formal complaints against Microsoft, despite Microsoft uh, trying to unbundle Teams. Um, Microsoft's video conferencing app Teams has caused some problems in the EU. We've talked about this about uh, a couple months ago. Uh, these antitrust enforcers are upset about with Microsoft's behavior, you know, about bundling Teams in general. And I, uh, I want to say one of the first people to kind of blow the whistle on this might have been Slack, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Microsoft tried to uh, resolve the issue by basically saying they're going to separate it just in the EU, but the EU wasn't impressed. And according to a Bloomberg report, Microsoft's recent proposal to split teams or split its teams from the broader business software package of Microsoft 365 or Office 365 and sell it to customers separately with an annual discount wasn't enough to satisfy regulator, regulator, regular, regulators' concerns, according to people familiar with the matter who spoke uh, on a condition of anonymity, of course. Uh, the Euro- European Commission is preparing a statement of objections to send to the company, which could uh, come in the next few months. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see maybe October-ish. We'll find out, you know, finally have something on the board. Uh, the EU investigators for Microsoft's team bundling uh, are filing the complaints, um, not just for that, but also their other cloud initiative or other things like cloud initiatives where they are uh, getting complaints from AWS and Amazon for, again, bundling. Uh, AWS doesn't have anything to really bundle at this point. I mean, they're trying their office suite, but it's not any type of competitive uh, solution. So they're free to complain about Microsoft bundling in office. So we'll see uh, what happens with that. There's also uh, NextCloud uh, GmbH uh, in, the, in the EU who has been complaining about OneDrive being bundled into Windows. I'm not sure how that's going to work, especially with some of the new things that Microsoft's about to do with OneDrive, uh, how that stands, because it's, you know, the cloud storage system that ties into their operating system. Um, But I guess because they charge for it, there's a complaint there. Last, we have uh, Microsoft is under investigation for, uh, by the EU's digital antitrust regulators who are assessing whether or not it's being edge and advertising uh, services should fall under the scope of the Block's Digital Market Acts, uh, which outlines regulations for major tech companies. So again, Microsoft is getting uh, dark stone at them from everywhere. Uh, I'm not passing any judgment whether or not these are valid because, again, these are legal terms. And I just mentioned earlier that I invite all the yellow flags in the field. So we'll see what ends up happening uh, with all of these uh, investigations and complaints. It's all about competition. The um, lawyers, the lawyers over in Redmond are staying pretty busy. And I think what some of these companies are after you bundle these things together and you bind that all-in-one solution and i think as a consumer and as a business when you back up and you buy that solution you're getting your office you're getting your file storage you're getting your email now notice how i said that you're getting your file storage and you're getting your email and there's these other companies out there going hey we want a slice of the file storage and the email we're okay if somebody wants the office suite you know, but we want, you know, I think in the end, these other providers out there that are singular providers are, are trying to say, hey, why is this bundled together? Why are you for necessarily forcing companies to use all of these services or forcing them to buy them? They should be able to buy what they want. And if they want somebody else's product for another service, they should be able to do that. So I'm like, I you mean, in this, 
and the, go ahead. Yeah. I'm saying I'm, I'm of two minds of this. Like I understand bundling, and I can understand how it puts specialized uh, services and offerings at a disadvantage. But I think the advantage comes at the pricing, which is where the consumer basically has to do their own, obviously, research. So again, for something that's, if you're upset about teams being bundled into Office 365, Microsoft 365, you still have to understand whether or not team, it'd be different if the regulators are saying, okay, well, you've fundamentally broken how Slack works with Office. That is a violation, I, in my opinion, and should be you know regulated. And if that's if the solution is to unbundle them for that exact reason, I get that. But if it's you know saying that hey, you know it's not fair that you have an install base of however million million for Office, and now you're giving them Teams, which is a competitor to our platform service, it's you know as long as Slack can still work with Office, I don't see an issue here. Especially if it forces Microsoft to also do it for free. If, if Teams comes free in Office 365 as a measure of being competitive with Slack, then I'm all for it. If they're going to sell it as a separate service as well as Office, I feel like you've, again, fundamentally broken what made uh, the two stacks in, you know integrated for, for no other reason than to allow Slack to charge you know not change its price at all like i don't i don't I, i'm confused on that but so you know without belaboring the point and moving on to the rest of our headlines um i get bundling but if microsoft is found you know breaking you know using software using developers to break uh its current uh arrangements with other third-party platforms that's where i you know i agree with everyone uh, as far as investigating this i think ultimately it will be left as is i can't see well let me rephrase that we've seen all kinds of things with the activision microsoft thing i'm not gonna say i can't see anything happening um i i, I see things staying bundled and the, the other part to that is when a business buys something they buy sometimes on a whim okay microsoft you can give us everything we need for this one flat rate and then multiply it times our install base of 5,000 employees and you're going to knock a few dollars off of that because we've got 5,000 employees. Okay, great. You know, that they, they write the check, kind of like you said, they write the check, they get everything they need or they think they need. The business doesn't necessarily have to do their own independent research at that point. So, so I, I get that part of it too, but I'm, I'm also on the fence in, a, in agreement with you is anytime this happens, raise the red flags and at least go take a peek into it to make sure nobody's getting an unfair advantage because that unfair advantage may not show up now. It may show up years from now. And when it shows up, then it's a little harder to go backwards. Totally agree. What else you got for us? Well, we've got a new Xbox Live, or listen at me. Whoa, I just da- <laughs> I just da- I just dated myself. We've got an X, bit. yeah, an Xbox Game Pass, and a, a new service tier, if you will. They're calling it Game Pass Core, and it came out earlier this week on the 14th. And what they're saying is basically you're getting 25 games minimum out of the game pass catalog so now we are at the point to where we have four 
Game Pass subscriptions. We have Core, which is what we're talking about here. Now, Core is $9.99 a month. We have Console that is $10.99 a month. We have the PC, if you're just a PC player. And then we have the Ultimate, which includes the Xbox full membership plus the PC for $16.99. So if you're looking a cheaper way in and you're okay with just having access to 25, 26 games that Microsoft randomly chooses for $9.99 a month, Xbox Game Pass Core is certainly a good option. If you're just an online player and you play your own games and you're not necessarily worried about Game Pass, this is also a good way to just get your Xbox online, play your titles, have your fun, maybe not even worry with Game Pass. There you go. Uh, I got a headline about OneDrive getting better offline functionality. Uh, we find this out via Microsoft's 365 roadmap. Uh, in a recent development, Microsoft's uh, OneDrive has unveiled a new feature, which we call offline mode, uh, to enhance user accessibility and pro productivity. The feature is identified as uh, ID 168618. Uh, and it was officially added to the OneDrive roadmap uh, this week, uh, September 11th. And it's set to change uh, how users kind of interact with their files offline. Uh, we've had files on demand, I think, for the last uh, four years or so, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, and that's kind of uh, where you can set individually uh, files to be viewed, um, you know, pulled from uh, the cloud onto your device. But it, you know, it serves as an icon to show you, like, hey, you have this file, you can access it if you need to, uh, and you can download it to your PC uh, when necessary. Uh, but this this is nowhere near what we're about to get with offline, which is actually, I think, what people really wanted. Uh, OneDrive users will be able to access and edit their files directly in the web browser of all places, even without an internet connection. In offline mode, uh, users are allowed to view, sort, rename, move, copy, and delete things within their file structure and their folders. Uh, files marked as always available offline, and they will be stored locally and can be accessed and edited using web browsers even without any active internet connection. Uh, any offline changes will synchronize with OneDrive once the internet connection is restored. So uh, for those of you who had to you know, run to a plane or had late minute travel uh, issues and you were trying to uh, access files, you always had to be prepared before you got on or you know, lost your internet connection. So you download them to your device and then you can start making your changes. Then you re-upload them, which again, this all takes time depending on your Wi-Fi connection or your broadband accessibility. What they're saying now is you don't have to prepare for any of that. You'll just start working on it. And then when you get internet again, it will reconnect. So uh, that's a good thing. I don't know how this works. If you like your system goes down physically, like if it gets turned off, you run out of battery, if those things, how those changes will be saved, uh, they didn't get into that, but they were having a major event October 3rd to talk about all of this stuff. So we'll get more details about that. Uh, the rollout of this feature will occur in multiple phases, starting with the preview phase scheduled for November 23rd. Uh, the release will enter a targeted release phase for the entire organization uh, or, and select individuals. And then finally, it'll be generally rolled out to all OneDrive users uh, sometime in December. So. Keep an eye out for the October 3rd event where they'll go into more details about this. And then if you happen to miss that, just sit back and wait till December 3rd when you'll be able to go, go out and play with it yourself. Cool little feature. I, I'm glad to see this. I have been in the situation myself where you're in a car, you're in a hurry. You don't necessarily have your 
preferred internet connection, but you need to add something to a document, add something to a PDF or update your presentation. So it's going to be nice to say, okay, got a presentation tomorrow. Let me go ahead and mark my PowerPoint file is offline. I can work on it at any point in time. And when I get to the office and I reconnect my network access, everything syncs and everybody's back in business. So been waiting a while for this one. Glad to see it. Perfect. What's our last headline? Well, uh, if you are a Monday night football fan and you happen to know about a thing called Bing Chat, as if we have not discussed it enough, um, there was an ad this week during Monday Night Football that basically showed how you could use Bing Chat to prepare your dishes, foods, to get a little help with your fantasy football, and to me that this was a little bigger than just the ad this first time i had seen any type of ai based excuse me ai based advertisement of any sort so what does this tell us we have talked about here on the podcast for the last couple weeks that some of the statistics are showing that consumer usage of ai has kind of flattened out a little bit so is being now going to start an advertising campaign to get the average consumer to go try out Bing Chat. We know businesses are playing with it because we've got Copilot out there. You know, businesses have gotten behind Copilot, but I have yet to see consumers say, hey, let's go jump on Bing Chat. Let's go jump on Bard. Let's go jump on Chat GPT. Microsoft has made the first move to spend the bucks to put Bing Chat during Monday Night Football, one of the biggest nights of the week, I think that's a good move. Uh, I can't disagree with you. So I'm going to move on to our opening discussion, or I mean, I guess our final discussion uh, of this podcast. Uh, And we'll be talking all things Surface because we have a Surface event um, coming up on this upcoming Thursday. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, Come out, check out what Microsoft has to offer next week, and then you can go back under your rock. Uh, to start this off, we'll be actually having a moment of silence for the Surface Duo. Uh, Microsoft has officially uh, stopped software support for this uh, device. It launched about three years ago with Android 10 as its operating system. It got moved all the way to Android 12L, and that'll be its last official update. Uh, and the more uh, certain thing about this is that you will not be getting any uh, security uh, updates going forward. So it's one thing to stop mm. getting software support. It's another thing, you know, usually even with Windows, you get software support, and then you get, you know, a couple more years of security. You're you're done as of s- last Sunday. So for those of you who have Surface Duo, original Surface Duo owners, last Sunday was the last uh, update you may get. Uh, you know, who, who knows? Microsoft may be benevolent and push out something, but I doubt they're gonna be pushing out anything as far as Android 13 or 14, which should be coming up, I believe, uh, in October when they push out the next Pixel device. So uh, good news is that it's, you know, Android 10 and all the apps that have been developed since I think Android 7 uh, all work well on it. They work fine. The device still, you know, it's, has gotten to a point where it's very usable. Um, you didn't have uh, NFC, so you still won't be using wallet and there's no way to upgrade that because that's a hardware thing. But if this is still your main driver, have fun with it because this isn't the end of the world. It's an Android device. Uh, I'm sure you'll still get a, you know, a nice long run out of it. But officially speaking, don't expect uh, updates and don't run to Reddit to complain about it because Microsoft kind of warned us about this. 
let's just hope the duo two lasts a little bit longer um well the duo two is till next september october ish i think as well so you know prepare for that maybe we'll get android 14 on it hopefully we'll see how quickly this team can scramble back from whatever it was they were on as far as teams i think they were scheduled on to give us an update for that and we'll see even see if there's any mention or hints maybe thursday about a surface duo 3 or if the, you know their mobile ambitions are as dead as the surface duo i'm gonna have to go with option two here my friend i don't want to but i'm afraid that's what it's gonna be neither do i but uh i am doing a write-up on the galaxy c fold so maybe that is where we will all safely land just like those of us who had to jump from uh the windows 10 mobile days had to land somewhere in android maybe this is where we'll land again um our next headline is about the surface pro and the service laptop being you know not rsvping to this event on thursday this Surprising. is news. a very much so you i agree with you uh because we thought you know uh last year they gave us a spec upgrade and fewer options you know for the surface laptop we went from having options for amd and intel to just intel uh no changes to the chassis whatsoever no additional ports no reduction in weight uh, i think we got maybe a couple color options and that was about it so we were expecting microsoft to kind of come out in 2023 with you know maybe an adjustment to the bezels if you're not going to change the the port selection maybe beefier battery somehow or reduction in weights you know something to warned the kind of uh spec you know the the TikTok spec updates that we got for that it looks like according to a german-based publication when future uh they surface laptop won't even be around and furthermore the surface pro their flagship device after following a kind of meh uh celebration of the 10-year anniversary the surface pro what would have been the 10 i believe uh will not be around so for those of you expecting to see Surface Laptop or Surface Pro upgrades, uh, it has been very quiet on the front for that. And we do not know why. Maybe Microsoft is just holding that closer to the vest than anything. But uh, it, at least as of today, it looks like we will only be getting updates for the Surface Laptop Studio, Surface Go 4, uh, the Surface Laptop Go, uh, and maybe some accessories. Uh, it's going to be a weird uh, showing for Microsoft on Thursday. I'm a little concerned about this because we're not, you know, as, you know that they may surprise us. They may come out and, and put something up on stage. Who knows? They may put something different up on stage that we don't know about. But if we follow the typical Microsoft event, I'm not expecting that. And it, con it concerns me that we're not seeing the surface pro let's see this the nine is the one that's on the market we're not seeing the 10 and we're not getting the 13th gen intel cpu so what is that saying are we are we skipping 13 in the pro or will there be a pro or a laptop because we're already mid-september when we're having this event i doubt microsoft is going to speak again or have any other events this year they may but it's not typical so are we skipping or are we doing something different or is this something that you and i discussed several podcasts ago we've got the duo slipping out the door the duo two could be next what's microsoft's 
overall goal and overall interest in being in the hardware circle in terms of PCs and PC products. Sure, I want to hold a surface in my hand as much as you do. I like the product, I like the form factor, I like the build quality, but what are they offering that I can't go buy somewhere else? That's the catch. And I'm wondering wondering what their interest level is. Is Are they as interested in staying in there? What are they showing us, which you're about to talk about, I think, the Surface Laptop Studio. Nobody's got anything like that. Well, that appears like what you're getting ready to talk about that. That's what we're going to see. So what does this mean for the future? Yeah, our last headline is actually, uh, I want to say, but three days after we wrote about the emission for the, the Pro and the laptop, we got confirmation uh, from same German-based publication, One Future, who, again, they're getting their sources from uh, marketing material from uh, third-party retailers for this for this uh, uh, story, is that there will be, like I said, the Surface Laptop Studio 2, and not only will it be there, uh, and you know, we'll have all of the spec bumps that we talked about as far as 64 gigabytes of memory option, uh, the 13th gen uh, Intel H series, uh, 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 Core i7, Core i9 CPUs, uh, you know, and the um, you know, NVIDIA, G, uh, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4000 series uh, oh, GPUs. Should, should be the 4060, 4070, and maybe Correct. 4080. Yeah, maybe uh, it's getting all of that. But on top of that, it's actually getting its ports back. I mean, well, I guess it never had it to begin with, but it's getting new ports. It's getting a USB-A and a micro SD. Uh, they're fitting it alongside the uh, ports that are existing. So it's going to be right on that like weird ridge that the Surface Laptop Studio to our Surface Laptop Studio originally has. Uh, but uh, you'll now be able to, if you're a photographer, connect your uh, USB, all your old USB-A uh, connectors to that, or just pop in a micro SD to make you know make use of that you know, new GPU and uh, you know bump in memory. Uh, un- other than that, it still remains relatively unchanged as far as the look of it. So for those of you who are open for thinner bezels, not the case this time around. You'll be getting the same 14.4 pixel. Uh, 14.4 inch pixel sense touch display at you know still at 33 by 2 aspect ratio with 120 hertz uh, variable refresh rate thanks to windows uh the other thing that we're going to be getting is the surface laptop go 3 which is interesting because again we're not getting a surface laptop we're getting the surface laptop go which is their uh commercial slash education device uh it'll be getting a bump in specs which we've uh, you know already talked about 256 gigabyte SSD as the base model, eight gigabytes of memory as the base uh, memory option. Uh, you'll be getting a Core i5 uh, 1235U processor. So, uh, and I think that that will be last year's processor. So you're not, I don't think you're getting the 13th gen one uh, uh, as of that. So, uh, and I think there will be some additional color options that they show, but the chassis looks exactly the same as last year's. So uh, there's no change in that. Uh, and then uh, we'll also be, I guess, getting word about, again, I don't know if they're going to uh, be selling this or marketing this as broadly, it's a Surface Go 4. Uh, and that's the, you know, entry level Surface Pro-ish type device, the, the two-in-one, the smaller one, the 10-inch, 10 10.5-inch 10. one. 
that will be getting the uh, Intel N200 processor over the AMD one or ARM one that we're all kind of hoping for. Uh, again, these devices don't come with fans, so it wasn't necessarily an issue, so to speak. They did get hot a little bit. Uh, maybe the N200 will uh, deal with that. Uh, there have been no images leaked on that. Now, for all of that we're talking about, for all of these uh, leaks or whatever about the hardware. You can go see, there's a write-up on our website about it and go check out all the images. Uh, we don't have any of the Surface Go 4, uh, and that is mainly because, and I believe this is coming from our buddy Zach Bowden over at Windows Central, his sources are saying that it's only going to be sold commercially. This is kind of like what they did with the Surface Pro 8, I believe, and they had a business version of this. So you will only be able to get it uh, through their uh, business channels from the Microsoft Store itself. And I believe that's what's going to happen with Surface Go 4. So for those of you who were hoping to get uh, an updated version of this, you just have to be aware that you won't be able to just go on Microsoft's website, you know, business, uh, consumer website. You'll have to go to their business channel to purchase it directly from them for that, if you're going to be doing it at all. Um, that's the news that we have for what's going to be happening Thursday. Uh, I just, you know, to wrap this up, wanted to not only say that it's going to be a weird presentation, but the way that Microsoft's presenting this is very different than previous ones. And it's also different from what Apple just recently did. Apple kind of invited everyone to uh, their campus. They sat them down, they watched a video, and then they got some hands on with the device and the video was streamed. Microsoft's presentation on Thursday will not be streamed. You're basically getting press releases from all your favorite YouTubers, influencers, tech journalists or whatnot talking about what they got to see in person. It, it's very weird that they won't stream it. Uh, maybe it's because they felt like, you know, there's nothing to really show, especially if you're not going to have the pro, you know, your flagship computing devices up front. Uh, I was talking to our editor-in-chief about this being potentially a press release in and of itself. It seems that, you know, Microsoft has done that before, and they've done it for things that have had more significant changes than this. Uh, and on top of that, um, they've also done this thing where they taken time to refine a commercial version of a device so while we may not be getting a surface pro 10 we may be getting a surface pro 9 s or whatever and that's the business version that'll show up in january uh perhaps and i don't know what they're gonna do for the laptop because that's always been a, a consumer version of a, of a device but uh, to your point about uh the pro 10 we may just get a pro 9 enterprise version of it um in january so it's that was what they did with the, the that's what they did with the seven if you remember there the was seven, a, correct, yes. if you remember there was a seven and a seven plus the seven plus had the lte option because there were a lot of consumers that were you know wanted the lte option and weren't complaining mm -hmm. you know that, that they didn't make that option available so you're right we may see a 9s you know maybe we see it with an lte option or some other you know maybe they include the pin in the box or something you know to make it more business centric but um i'm gonna be watching this one a little closer than normal because like you're saying i've got this weird vibe you know you and i have been doing this for many years by now we're starting to see leaks. We're starting to see photos. You know, we have seen this from Win Future, of course, but everything seems to be, you know, we're less than a week away. Everything seems too quiet. Agreed. Yeah. It's like I said, it's very uncommon that Microsoft has this much leak before an event, uh, especially confirmed. Uh, and then also 
without streaming it, they're, you know, they're not, doesn't seem like they're planning on a big surprise. You know, usually if you're going to leak this much and you stream, it's like, okay, and then we got one more thing. And here is the Surface Neo. Uh, without being able to stream anything, you're basically inviting your press release staff and your, and, you know, all of the journalists and whatnot to come in and see what you have, get some hands on. But for, to what degree, because nothing's really changed to have them, you know, kind of run back and say, oh, you got to see the new device. Like I said, you, you, Apple added a USB port. They added titanium to the phone. Other than that, the phone's pretty much the same. The watches are pretty much the same. Uh, they still invited people to get hands on uh, because they felt it was a significant enough change for that. Adding a USB-A port on a laptop isn't a big thing. Uh, adding micro SD isn't a big thing. You know, thinner bezels, new design, uh, you know, lighter weight. Those are the kind of things that you can express as a writer, as a journalist, uh, with a hands-on. What they're doing now to me feels like, again, they could have just said, hey, we have these new devices. They'll be up for pre-order. Go get them next week. And shown the pictures and people could, you know, determine for themselves, like, hey, I want the one with the USB-A. I want the one that has 64 gigabyte options. I want the one that uh, comes with, you know, the, the improved base models there really doesn't seem to be very much to have or to be excited for on Thursday. And I'm not saying that you need to be. These, you know, these are except, uh, these are appliances at this point. You know, we reach peak computing, I suppose, or at least design and form with laptops and stuff like that. So, uh, like you said, maybe we're just hopefully hope, hoping for something. We're being optimistic and digging for maybe there's a bit more. But we do know that Satya Nadella and Panos will be on hand for this. So that makes, you know, that makes me wonder, you brought out the big guns, but you won't show people what they're going to, what they're capable of. It'll be definitely a head scratch on Thursday. And they, they could fool us. They, 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 they may have a surprise somewhere in the back door. And I think as Microsoft enthusiasts and journalists, we kind of look at this as, you know, anytime Microsoft is on stage, you and I are hopeful of seeing something, of seeing a step forward, of seeing something move. But if you look back and you even take Apple out of the equation, when Dell comes out with something new, when HP comes out with something new, when Asus comes out with something new, they don't do a big fanfare either. Now, you know, we, we Lenovo does their webinars, but the webinars are, you know, basically read the spec sheets of what the devices are so i'm expecting that we're going to get a press release this is what it is but there'll be nothing to push the retail side of it if that makes sense because a lot of people you know go to the presentation you see something or you watch it or you stream it and you go oh they show and I, i'm gonna show my apple side here for just a minute the the demos is what sells people you know, they see it do something. They see the feature mentioned. Yes, I would like that. Or yes, that applies to what we do every Thursday night, you know, as a family. Let's go buy that. So I think when you do it this way, you're also missing the consumer side of it. And I think that's why Apple does, you know, regardless of our opinions, I think that's why Apple does what they do, you know, with these presentations, because They'll give it their name, you know. I'm surprised the USB-C port doesn't have a, you know, USB-C Pro or a Apple Lightning Pro, you know, name on it or something like that. But 
I'll give Apple a little bit of credit. When they show their demos, it applies to people. People see it. Yes, I want to do that. They go buy it. The fact that, that Microsoft is not showing anything this time, at least beyond the auditorium or wherever they'll be, it's a little bit concerning. Uh, yeah, as a consumer, but, you know, we have always said since we've been starting this whole business, the Microsoft's customers are business people. They're enterprise people. Uh, with 64 gigabytes of memory, these devices are going to be, you know, more for engineers and uh, people who delve in, you know, machine learning and large data, large database processing. Uh, the added GPU could be used for content creators as well. But again, these are still different niches than uh, your typical consumer. I will end on this, um, at least for my part, that Microsoft will be sparing us a half hour of back padding for their carbon emissions uh, referendums and processes. <laughs> for those of you who missed the Apple event, thank your lucky stars. You didn't have to sit through that because that was a bit of a snooze fest. Microsoft and pretty much every other company did what Apple did as a press release. They decided to have a skit for some reason. Uh, so. Uh, with no actual live event, maybe this is, part, you know, Microsoft saving us from that and offering a separate press release that'll say, we're going to offset our carbon emissions by, you know, making our mouses out of plastic like we've been doing for the past couple of years. So to their credit, I will take that if that means yeah, I don't have to sit through more back padding. I agree. Um, that was a little concerning earlier this week in the... <laughs> Apple, um, you know, the, the presentation itself, and I'll, I'll leave here, the presentation itself felt thin to me, but it also felt odd that we were talking about our new environmental approach. It seemed like every couple minutes. Very much so. They, they hammered that way too often, I think. Uh, maybe compensating for something. Who knows? Uh, with that being said, where can people find you? Oh, actually... Uh, let's go to our hardware, hardware section. We always, I always forget that. Uh, we have hardware. I have hardware. Next week, we'll be, I'll be releasing my Fold uh, experiences, both the Flip and the Z Fold 5. Uh, I will, you know, have reviews individually and comparatively for those. Uh, that'll be the main focus for next week. Uh, I do still have a Dell XPS 13 Plus that uh, I, I'm finishing up a review for. I just finished up my review for the ThinkPad Nano or ThinkPad X1 Nano Gen 3. Uh, it's a great device, but not for anybody that isn't a C-suite executive who just needs a thin laptop to kind of review files and make decisions uh, with. Uh, it's got a lot of power, but uh, it's also got some throttling that could upset some people if they're trying to do more. Um, I got a, like I said, I got a boom mic that I'm reviewing, a microphone as well, uh, and those will be coming out uh, the week after. So for those of you who are just wondering, like, oh, you know, what will you be reviewing? Next week will be dedicated to just the folds. So if you are interested about any of the folds and how that works in a Microsoft environment, you know, I use a lot of stuff like Office and PowerPoint and things like that. Having uh, two apps at once on that screen was amazing. Uh, and then just the day-to-day, -day, putting it in a pocket, putting it in a bag, uh, the weight of it and all that kind of stuff uh, I will address uh, in that review. Uh, what can people anticipate for you for next week, if you have anything? Well, yep, I, I've got a couple things. Um, one, um, well, let's let's get some input on both of these. If, you, if you've listened this far down in our podcast, thank you. And um, I've got a few things that if you would like to leave some comments or find me on Twitter, and I'll put the handle out there in just a minute. I'm going to be working on a comparison. I have already 
wrote my single reviews. I've just got to clean them up a little bit. Um, I'm working on a comparison between the Lenovo Legion Pro 7, and that is the laptop, and the Lenovo 5i desktop. Now, what we're doing here is a little bit of a comparison. We're going to use Starfield and maybe throw in a Call of Duty, some playing this game on my laptop, playing this game on my desktop, and kind of help you decide what's the best way to spend your money. You know, do what you know is the trade-off that you're going to get and i don't want to spoil it but the trade-off is not as much as i originally thought the trade-off for the laptop and performance worth the difference in being able to sit at a desk and get the full performance so before i put all that out there feel free to drop a note find me on twitter i'm interested to know what you guys want because that's you know how we do these reviews if there's something you guys want to see let us know I'm happy to do it, and I know you are with feedback. If somebody wants something, you know, we're always willing to investigate it. So what's that handle they can hit up if they want to uh, give you some feedback? David PHA 1978 I'm always, I'm still going to call it Twitter. I'm sorry. Um, I'm over on Twitter or X, whatever you'd like to call it. Drop by. Uh, some of you dropped by this week and left me some DMs with some ideas. I appreciate those. And I have put some of those in the review that you're about to see. Uh, I'm going to call it Twitter as well, because when you go to the website, you type in X.com, nothing shows up. When you type in Twitter.com, surprisingly, X shows up. So it's Twitter to me. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Mindhead1 uh, on Twitter, uh, Kareem Anderson on Threads, uh, for those of you who are hanging out there. Uh, with that being said, thank you for joining us for another long pod full of information. I hope it wasn't a downer about the service deal stuff. We tried to be positive. You can still play with the device. Uh, also, we also anticipating, we're also excited for new surface hardware just to, you know, hear panels get pumped about something we haven't heard about, we haven't heard from him, uh, since build, I believe. So, uh, it's always nice to, to, you know, see what he's got to say, go enjoy your weekend. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, we may even do a special, uh, you know, follow-up pod uh, based on the information from the service event. Uh, so stay tuned for that information as well. Have a good weekend, folks. See you guys later. <laughs>